Hi, this is Mary Beth Haugen, and you're listening to Not Elsewhere Classified. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. This podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. In need of great talent for your business but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job posts to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste your time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners of this podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number seven. Most recently, we just posted a podcast special called Concerned About the RHIT Credential. If you guys haven't listened to it, please make sure you go back and check out that episode because we do explore the new changes in the RHIT credential. We discuss our concerns about the credential, especially in regards to coding. Make sure you listen to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast to listen to that episode. I want to thank our listeners, especially those who gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Here's a comment from one of our listeners. Uh, N-I-K-B-O-O-M, Nick Boom. I'm changing career fields and wanted some helpful insight about health information. This podcast gives advice, tutoring, college information, and lots more. Would recommend to everyone working in the field or those just getting started. Now, that comment alone does a lot for this podcast, especially this is the reason why it was created. Not just to cater to those in the industry, but more to reach out to a wider audience. If you feel value in this podcast, please make sure to share it with everybody you know who may benefit from this podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Mary Beth Haugen, who is the founder and CEO of the Haugen Consulting Group and Haugen Academy. In our conversation, we talk about how she started out as a candy striper and moved her way up into becoming a CEO. She discusses how she transitioned from health information management to managing information systems. We also discuss her decision to get a master's, but more about how she lost a bet and how it resulted in getting her master's. Mary Beth also just recently won the 2017th AHIMA Triumph Award for Leadership, and I asked her questions about uh, how she felt and how it affected her career. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mary Beth Haugen. Enjoy. 
everybody. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified. I have here a wonderful guest by the name of Mary Beth Haugen. Hello, Mary Beth. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Brian, for having me. All right. Well, I'm, again, I'm glad to have you here. Um, just to give you an idea of how we connected. Uh, first of all, uh, just to let you guys know, uh, from, from previous episodes, uh, we have uh, Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified have finally partnered up uh, with the Haugen Group. And so just to give you an idea, they approached me about this partnership, but then I turned it around and I say, hey, I think this is a great interview opportunity. And I said, well, let's go have um, Mary Beth on. And uh, here she is today. So she's actually uh, done a lot. I do have a lot of questions. Uh, checked out If you check out her company, uh, she has a wonderful and big team. Also, uh, we're going to talk about her latest achievement, uh, winning the Triumph Award for Leadership uh, from the American Health Information Management Association. So we'll definitely talk about that as well in detail. We'll also talk about the Haugen Group, a little bit more about inform- and information about that. But before, and we usually, we usually begin with this, uh, I want to learn more about Mary Beth and what she's all about. So Mary, uh, can you tell the audience about yourself? Tell, you know, kind of share your uh, humble beginnings and how you came to be. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I have a bachelor's in medical record administration, and I was a traditional student. I had an opportunity to work in a medical record department in college, and I actually fell in love with it and had a great support team. And then later on, I did go back to school and got my master's in healthcare administration. So while I was still in school, I had an opportunity to um, become a coder for St. Louis University Medical Center. So I had some great coding experience before I graduated and then kind of started in that traditional coding role where I became a coding supervisor and then, you know, became a department manager, et cetera, and, and worked my way up in that avenue. Um, before I started the company, um, by the time, kind of towards the end of my career before I started the company, I was a director of health information management as well as information services. And then it morphed into the IT realm. And I think because of that coding background and being able to understand coding and reporting and how it can be integrated within the systems is how I kind of morphed into the IT realm. And I had an opportunity to implement systems and do different things and then kind of kind of just along the path had amazing mentors and leaders and I think you know what everybody's kind of been dealing with in healthcare lately is mergers and acquisitions and you know I went through all of that um, in my career as well so that definitely had some play and direction as we would merge facilities and close clinics and do different things. I had a lot of opportunities to do some fun things. I think um, in my in my career from having amazing HIM leadership, um, you know, my mentors were always supportive when I would leave to stay in contact with them. So I've had so much guidance from them along the way. But at my last position, um, I worked in a a safety net facility here in Denver, and 
I worked very closely with the CIO, and he was an amazing person from the standpoint of how can we work together, appreciating the role of an HIM professional. And so he was like, hey, I come from banking. Why don't you teach me healthcare? And I think that collaboration, we were eventually able to merge. And I was given so many opportunities from implementing systems to really leveraging them to training staff. Um, really being at the table to make decisions around what the organization would be doing from an IT perspective. So I think when I look along my journey leading up to starting the company, um, amazing mentors, amazing leaders, amazing, you know, just people that were willing to take a chance on me and, you know, I think a willingness to kind of jump out of my comfort zone. Um, some great advice I had gotten early on was, you know, you might not feel like you can do it, but if, if, you know, the person offering you this position believes in you, then you take it and you go for it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I do that. I'm like, Oh, I guess I'll just kind of make it up until I can figure it out. (laughs) And that was kind of our, our little mantra along the way. Hey guys, you know what question I get asked a lot? What is a good online medical coding school? If you want a good online medical coding school, you should check out CareerStep. CareerStep offers online courses, flexible scheduling, and a HEMA-approved curriculum. After graduation, you get a voucher to take your CCA or CPC exam. CareerStep is a MyCAA, My Career Advancement, approved school funding for military spouse education. If you want to learn more, please make sure to check out CareerStep's many program offerings, including their medical coding and billing program, by going to our referral link, careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. By the way, they have a special promotion this month. But again, to find out what it is, you need to head over to our referral link, careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. Let's take a step, wait, a couple steps back. Um, medical records administration. So for the... <laughs> oh, I knew you'd bring that up. <laughs> I know. I wrote it down. And, um, you know, I've I've interviewed a couple people. So you're not the only one. So <laughs> I've interviewed a couple people who mentioned that. The MRA, the medical records administrator. I think they've also had the, um, the old records, medical records, um, credential. Um, so mm-hmm. before we, yeah, so my, I guess my question is why, how did you get into or decide into getting into medical records administration, which is known as health information management or health information technology today? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. You know, I, I had the fortune to, I just applied for a position in the hospital, not really understanding it. And, you know, was able to get into medical records and I thought this is kind of cool because I only lasted two days as a candy striper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I figured direct patient care isn't something that is up my alley. However, you know, being able to be in healthcare um, was very intriguing and exciting to me. And so I had some exposure to that business side of it and then was kind of struggling. I was an, an business major and I went to a career counselor and they set me in front of a computer and you put in these in information about yourself and it takes you down from like 10,000 jobs. And I narrowed it down to four. And one of them was a medical record administrator. Mm. 
my parents at the time and my dad was a hospital pharmacy director. Mm. And I said, I, I'm going to go to school for medical record administration. And he's like, a medical record librarian? <laughs> Straighter, I know. Yeah. Oh, to do that, you have to have a stomach of steel. I said, I can do this. And, um, you know, I think it was from all the avenues, kind of the career counselor helping me, you know, my role as a, you know, a, cler- a clerk in medical records and then my dad working in healthcare. I think it just was a great fit mm-hmm. of wanting to work in healthcare, but not really wanting that, that patient, you know, direct patient contact. Okay. So you, you weren't, you were never like, in, uh, so you mentioned you were in a, you were you had a master not a masters but you were in a business administration degree or program so you were never mm-hmm. ever considering ever doing things like nursing physical therapy anything clinical no no <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. on your foresight I love the business aspect uh-huh. of things um, but no I knew you know I think at age like thirteen twelve or thirteen back in the day where you could have candy stripers yeah, uh-huh. um, you know I worked as a candy striper. And like I said, I lasted two days wow. and that was enough, um, patient contact for me for the rest of my life. Well, I how think. much, how much patient contact did you have as a candy striper, which for the audience, that's more like a hospital volunteer. Well, back in the day as a teenager, you could volunteer at the hospital and you could, um, deliver meals, um, at the faci- the hospital that I was at at the time, mm. you could change beds bed linens and you (laughs) you had to learn how to yeah how to do that with the patient in the bed um you would feed patients you would check their fluid their input and output so yeah crazy isn't it (laughs) checking Uh, the checking the fluid inputs ins and outs yeah you know you'd have to write down you know how much they drank and um so yeah you were actually in the room you know, with the patient. Oh, no. so That's that was... not good for those renal and, and CHF patients. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they had us on any of the really um, serious. But you have to remember, this was probably back in the day where yeah, you I went know. into the hospital and you stayed for a week. Yeah. Um, we're, we're very different. But it was great to have a little insight into and learn quickly that nursing wasn't quite for me. And I have quite an... Um, admiration for people that are in the nursing profession absolutely so that makes sense then because you were you you had no i guess um uh interest in the clinical side but more on the business side which came to my question about you know why did you Mm -hmm. decide to go into get to get your master's in health services administration uh so that makes sense so my next question is how for those that are you know because i I've always been asking or people have been asking me about getting a master's. And, you know, uh, there was one post in my group that I posted about a master's and everybody was, you know, providing their input as to what they would get. You wanted to do the business side, but when you were in the program uh, for the master's in health services administration, um, how was that like? Gosh, gosh, Brian, I wish I could tell you that, you know, I had this huge drive to um, pursue my master's. But, you know, to be honest with you, at the time, it just seemed like a lot of work and a lot of money. And I'm like, is is this really going to pay off? And at the time, I was fortunate to 
um, be an adjunct faculty member um, at Regis University. And I can't remember if I was teaching coding or, you know, one of the classes that I was teaching. And the program um, chair there kept telling me, you need to get your master's. It's going to be important and, and just really reinforcing why we should do this. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I have this full-time job. I'm doing a lot with the state association. Mm-hmm. Is this really, you know, is this really going to bring value to it? Very full of everything that I was doing. And, and at the time, I really wanted to be president of our state association. And so I was running for that. And she was, she was like, I joke with Sheila that she was stalking me to get my master's. And she got me to agree that if I didn't become president of our state association, that I promised to pursue my master's. So I know, and I was so sure, that's how terrible, I was so sure that I would win. Mm -hmm. And and it came down to, um, I was running against an amazing um, colleague who has tons more experience than I did at the time, and she was awesome. And we tied. Oh, wow. We tied. Can you believe it? Wow. You know, I don't know if there's hanging chads or what was all involved, but we tied and we had to have a vote off at the state meetings. And sure enough, um, Elaine won and came on to be a great state president. And I went and kept my word and at the time wasn't really thrilled about pursuing my master's. I um, did decide on the Health Services Administration because I believed in that wanting to understand that business aspect right. of health care. But for me, when I look back over, you know, my career and my journey, that was one of the best things that happened to me. Um, I think going out and no matter what master's degree you determined to pursue, is it made me better. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a better writer. Mm, okay. I feel like I'm a better presenter mm-hmm. because you have an opportunity as a professional when you go back later to get be critiqued Mm. and you know you're doing it in real life but now you're getting feedback on it I was able to bring challenges and things that were happening in our organization to school and work on them you know and have feedback from from professors and other people to help provide input I just um, it gave me you know a more global view on healthcare, but it also gave me a nice business foundation that I was lacking. So I think, you know, as a bachelor's, if you pursue a traditional HIM degree, you know, it's really focused on HIM. Mm-hmm. And this really opened up the arena of what healthcare delivery systems are providing and healthcare, you know, more global. So it was a great thing. I wish I could say that, you know, it was really what I wanted and you know, to be honest with you, it wasn't the track that I thought I would be on, mm-hmm. but it was the best track, and I'm very thankful um, that it happened. And I can say now that I appreciate that Sheila stalked me, you know, during that phase of my life. This podcast is brought to you by AccessADoctor.com. Access a doctor when you need it most. How would you like to have quick and easy access to licensed doctors 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Instead of scheduling an appointment to see a doctor or going to the emergency room or urgent care, you simply make one phone call and a doctor will provide you with a consultation, diagnose your medical problem, and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy. 
Some of the conditions that can be treated using accessadoctor.com include cold and flu symptoms, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, allergies, skin infections or rashes, and even eye and ear infections. Listeners of this podcast can get a discount on their single and family membership plans by going to accessadoctor.com and using our promo code GEEK, that's G-E-E-K, upon signing up. Again, that's accessadoctor.com. And the promo code is GEEK, G-E-E-K. What would have been your second choice for your master's? What If it wasn't health service administration, what would you have gone with? I think, um, you know, health informatics was mm-hmm. to come at the time that I, I got my master's degree. So mm-hmm. I, you know, the whole data and the data analytics and understanding it and and using it to really impact patient care and you know, outcomes and understanding. I think the informatics would have been extremely appealing to me Mm -hmm. and something that I feel like, you know, would have been a great benefit because I, I always want to stay in healthcare. So Mm -hmm. I want to stay connected to it. So I think that, um, is probably would have been my second choice. Um, I think as a business owner an MBA, um, would have also, um, you know, would have been good as well. But there's so many, there's so many different degree programs out there um, and so many opportunities. And I do think it's so important that we continue to educate that, you know, we get these other degrees that can help us. And even though it might not be what you need right now, it's so much better to have it than, you know, to go get it, you know, after the fact. And it's only going to help you. It's never going to hurt. So I would encourage anybody to go on and, and pursue, you know, a higher higher level degree. I was going to say that, um, you know, for those that are listening, you know, you, you probably have your associates. You're probably thinking about your bachelor's or you have your bachelor's thinking about your master's. You know, mm-hmm. one thing to think about is aside from just having, you know, the the um, the prestige of having a higher level degree, you know, uh, what Mary Beth has been mentioning is the experience. And, you know, when you also think about when you transition from associates to bachelors to masters, the one word that comes to mind is maturity. And when you think about maturity, professional maturity, you know, you're doing things uh, that are that are set in a way to solve problems. And in an associate's level, you have more of a way, like more of a technical way of solving problems. When you move into bachelor's, you're more, you're more into a programmic, pro, sorry, program type of problem solving. And then when you get more into the master's, I mean, you're, de- you're developing more into, as you were saying, a global perspective, not in terms of just the global internationally, but global holistically, uh, you know, trying to solve problems more holistically, more bigger problems. And it requires for you to be more mature in terms of not just, you know, age and, and mentality, but more mature in terms of being prepared to handle those problems. And so with a bachelor's, it's good. But with a master's, it gives you the resources and the mentality and the education and the knowledge you need to be prepared. Because, you know, if you're looking into, you know, tackling bigger problems, are you prepared for that? Have you been taught and, you know, uh, put into those different scenarios that can 
um, mimic in, in somewhat some way uh, into what you're doing now in reality. So those are things you have to think about. Absolutely, Brian. I can agree with you more. And I think as as our workforce is changing and things are getting more competitive, I think that does give you an extra edge. So, you know, if you have an opportunity to do it, it's it's you won't regret it, I don't feel. No, right. No, I mean it's an education is nothing to to be regrettable about. Uh the more the merrier, right? Um okay, so Medical record, candy striper, medical records, uh, <laughs> <laughs> medical records, coding director, HIM director. So you were still in the, the, the world of HIM. Uh, but then you mm-hmm. mentioned you had transitioned to information services. How did that transition take place? How did that happen? So it was an interesting um, way that it happened, to be honest. At the time I was working... Um, you know, at Denver Health, which is the safety net facility here in Denver, and as the HIM director, and this was a, a, quite a while ago, and the organization decided that they would implement computerized provider order entry, mm-hmm. or CPOE, and this was early on. This was in the early 2000s, so CPOE wasn't being implemented. This was before meaningful use. And, you know, they decided to go that kind of alpha-beta role. Mm -hmm. And as they were in transition to getting CPOE in the system, it was going south quickly. And we were having a clinical uprising, and IT was frustrated, and, and it was just a yucky type of situation. And I was working very closely with the CIO, and I went into his office, and I said, this is a train wreck. You're ready to go off the cliff. You've got to make some, you know, pretty significant changes. Here's some things, if I were running the project, that I would do differently. And I'm saying this to you as your friend. And during this conversation, he said, then I think you should do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. That wasn't really the initial intent. Yeah. And... um and so we had a conversation, and again, he said, I will support you. I will teach you the IT stuff. You have this knowledge, but I I wasn't in either right. side of it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I wasn't on the clinical side, so I joked that I was kind of Switzerland. So it's like, come in and help. And I remember him going to the CEO at the time saying, you know, Mary Beth is going to going to take over and, and lead this project. And, and she was like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and so we kind of stated the case around, you know, here's what I would do differently. And this is why I feel like I could lead this project. And, um, it was incredibly painful. Again, it was something that I didn't know what I was doing, but, um, it was a, an initiative that the organization wanted, and I believed it was the right thing, and I figured we could figure it out. And, and we did, not without a lot of pain. I learned a lot. Um, you know, I grew a lot in that transition, but it gave me that leg in to information technology, and from there, it's like, help us with this, help us with that. Over the next year, we merged the departments. I became the IT and HIM director, so I was IT director of all the applications, both the clinical and the financial. I had the training team, the interface team, um, you know, the web team, 
and it was a great experience. And, and at the time it was challenging because I know some of these IT folks are like, what, why do I have to report to her? What, what does she know about my world? And, um, but it worked, you know, it, you know, I think you can definitely lead teams if you respect their knowledge and let them help guide you. And I was their champion and I could help them get things done. And so we made it work and, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity. It was a big risk. And I, and I just think I look back on it and I am so grateful that I was willing to jump off that bridge, knowing that this would either, either end my career here at Denver health or make my career. And fortunately, you know, it made my career. So it was, it was a great, great opportunity. Now, now that, that is a wonderful story. Um, especially for those that, you know, the, for those that, you know, especially now with health information technology that has evolved so much, you know, we used to think, okay, it's just coding, it's just medical records. And now we're, you know, going into the world of information technology. And um, you posed a very good point is where, you know, where you take the challenge, even though you don't, you know, you don't have full knowledge mm-hmm. of it, but um, you you become resourceful at this point. You start pulling in uh, people who know the job and understanding what you do, and really piecing it all together. And that's what you know professionals do. They piece it all together. They make it sense. They make it flow. They make it work. Now, in your role as your as your transitioned role into, I guess, acquiring information systems and information technology. Um, with limited knowledge of information technology, what medical records or health information knowledge did you draw from? Like, cause I know you had to go grab a book somewhere <laughs> and mm-hmm, kind of, right. you know, kind of get yourself well versed back up to speed. But what did you have to, uh, I guess, uh, pull from the health information management side to, to make that, I guess, to, I guess, uh, lessen the gap between HIM and information technology. I think, uh, you know, for me, the biggest thing was leadership. And that's where, you know, pursuing my master's was a huge benefit. Were you, um, were you taking time. your master's at that time? So I think it all intermingled. I think oh, I had gosh. just finished my ma- I think I had just finished my master's when we took over, uh-huh. you know, when we started the CPOE project. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, I think, you know, as HIM professionals, We understand how data flows and the impacts of data. You know, we understand if somebody's not registered correctly on the front end, we understand how clinicians need to use that information to be, you know, to give their patients what they need. And then we also understand the back end Mm -hmm. and the billing and how we want to get paid. And so I think to me to be able to bring that knowledge in of the whole cycle of Mm -hmm. the data cycle to the IT folks that didn't necessarily understand it because a lot of them weren't in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can put this together, but I'm like, but if I have a patient here, you know, and a system here, that's not going to work. And so I think all of a sudden I was their safety net to be able to talk to about, well, how do they use it? Or why does it matter the right person up front? Or why does it matter if this diagnosis code isn't exactly accurate. Got it. 
Yeah. So you were that person like, okay, what what happens in this? You know, if I apply right. this, what's going to happen? And that's most important for those that are, I, I know now that especially trying to pursue their RHIA with some form of bachelor's, uh, mm-hmm. with the new, um, you know, the new thing that's happening now with AHIMA, you know, the idea of what we do as health information professionals is understanding that flow. And and Correct. when you understand the flow, and I always tell the people this, look, you have to understand the flow from the time that they walk into the hospital, from the time that they leave, even though when they leave, their data is still flowing around. And mm-hmm. we know what's going to happen with it. We know we have a visualization from where it is on a certain time frame. And I think you made a good point. You know, the IT people know how to implement systems, but, you know, and know how to program things. But when they put it on live, what's going to happen? And when right. you apply electronic health records to actual workflow, physical workflow, I think people don't understand mm-hmm. that it apply. It definitely affects that physical workflow because, you know, perhaps they were using a different system. Now you're switching the system, but they don't understand how does it match up, you know, with what they're doing in terms of, you know, uh, you know, getting a vital, uh, administering a medication. Mm-hmm. And there's there's certain nuances, nuances and different variabilities that happen within that act and that within that workflow uh, that you would be knowledgeable about and then let people know what are the options in terms of fixing it. So that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. And I think the other piece that we bring to the table is that regulatory piece as well Yes, that I think people struggle with. It's like, well, why does it have to have this? And it's like, here's a CMS reg or here's a JCO reg. So whether or not we agree with it, this is the standards that we have to be able to apply. And so it's all of those different layers that I think we can bring to the table to help not only implement the systems, but to adopt them and to know sometimes we need to modify the systems to meet our workflow and sometimes we need to modify our workflow to meet the system exactly so that we can have the greatest efficiency that's it that's that's it it's it's the matchup of workflow and and uh, mm-hmm. information systems that's pretty much the challenge that that uh, health information professionals deal with <laughs> on a daily basis, not just, right. you know, from right. the medical record standpoint, but even from a coding standpoint, from also a clinical documentation improvement standpoint, and then also from the clinical informatics standpoint. It works everywhere, but it's just that, you know, you have to understand what is happening. Awesome. That's good. All right. So now, so you went from IT, then what how did you transition into creating your company, Haugen Consulting Group? This podcast is brought to you by the Haugen Consulting Group. The Haugen Consulting Group is your trusted partner in healthcare consulting, education, and auditing. Check out their marketplace where they have a wide variety of webinars and trainings for facility coding, profi coding, and health information management. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 15% discount if you use the promo code GEEK15. Again, that's GEEK, G-E-E-K, 1-5 if you go to their website, www.thehaugengroup.com shop. Again, promo code GEEK15 at www.thehaugengroup.com dot com slash shop all right we're okay <laughs> all right so just for those that are wondering i ran out of sd memory so i had to talk have a side conversation with mary beth here while i get everything cleaned up so uh the question that i think i last asked was about um 
what was I saying? I think you transition from Candy Striper, medical records, coding, HIM director. You just painted a wonderful story of how you dealt with um, your transition into the information technology, information systems world. We finished talking about um, how understanding workflow and information systems, how they combine and how that that is very integral understanding on how to make that work because one cannot go without the other. Now let's move on to what you've done recently, and not recently, but uh, what you've done afterwards is with the Haugen Group. So let's do this again. <laughs> Can you tell us how uh, the Haugen Consulting Group got started? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's my greatest pride and joy, and I'm so thankful that another leap of faith to jump off the cliff and start a company. Um, initially, it wasn't a traditional start to a company, so I didn't have a great business plan and a great strategic plan and and a thought that I would grow from 1 to 5 to 20 employees. It was really much more personal, and I started the company so that I would have some time to start a family and have a family and have some flexibility. And coming from a role that was uh, very demanding and long hours, um, that was where on a personal side that we decided, you know, I decided to make that leap and had a lot of support um, from my organization when I left. So I started the company. Originally, it was just going to be me from the standpoint of I wanted to help my friends. I was in a position that I understood you could not do everything that you needed to do. You couldn't manage a huge team and keep up on regulatory stuff, keep up on policies, implement systems. You know, we're just in such demanding roles right now. And I thought if I could go in and help and say, let me take this off your plate. What do you not like to do? Or what are you most stressed about? What can I help set you up for success? Mm. And so that's how I started doing it is let me help you do some things. I think they um, trusted me. I wanted to to do it right. I had worked with amazing consultants and I had worked with consultants that didn't produce what I wanted. And so I took the best of the best and tried to give that to my clients. Mm -hmm. And then through that, I got some more clients and enough that, you know, I kept having my husband help for the, you know, in the back end. I had former teammates that came to me and said, I want to, you know, work with you again. I, I reached out to people that I had worked with, with in the past that just complimented me. You know, none of us are good at everything. And so I think it's being able to identify what you're not good at and finding the people that are really good at that. And so I was able to bring in um, other team members to help grow the company and to help meet the needs of our clients. And it's just been such a fun process. And we've been, you know, very cognizant of how we want right. the company to be. And when we sat down and created our mission statement and, and really believe that fun is non-negotiable, there's no reason why we can't work hard. So that's part and of your mission, fun. right? that we can't work hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And we want our clients to feel that too. Like we can still give you the mm -hmm. best of the best 
but let's have some yeah. laughs along the way and you know, let's, let's make the most of it. Or if we're going to do a training on vascular interventional radiology and have you sit in yeah. a classroom for two days, we're going to engage you. We're going to help that learning be fun. We all have a lot of stress in our lives. And so let's, let's do it different. I like that. Yes. And yeah. And it's been great. That's to me what I'm so in awe of. You know, whenever we hire somebody, I always have a sleepless night you know, before, because it's, they're leaving their comfort zone. Mm. They might be leaving a job that they love to come work with me. And Mm. that's a huge responsibility. And I want to make sure that I can meet their expectations and help them grow professionally and that we can all be successful together. And, um, I'm just so blessed when I look at the team that, that we've brought together and, you know, some of the, projects and the work that we've been able to do for our clients. Wow. Well, it, it sounds like you have a recurring theme here. You like to fill in gaps, you know, mm-hmm. where, yeah. you know, yeah. where, where you, you can't, if you can't, I mean, I think it, it's, there's one thing to, to take on a role, but then there's one thing to take on a role that you can't do. And um, I think it's important for those that are listening is that if you can't do it, you know, it, you can't put yourself in a self-denial mode. Just say, hey, look, I can't do it. But then as a problem solver, you know, you have to figure out how can I do it? If I can't do it, who can? And I think that's what you do so well is the fact that you you have, a you know, just from our conversation right now and what you've mm-hmm. told us, told me before is the fact that you have this this way of saying, OK, this is my limit. But I have the, uh, the ability to find somebody who can uh, help me. Um, you know, cross over that limit so that way we can get over it together. That's a wonderful thing that you've done. And I'm looking here, if you guys have checked out her, her webpage, uh, thehaugengroup.com, if you go over to the About side and you click over to Meet Our Team, one thing that, that, that caught my eye was like, my gosh, look how many people are on your team. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of grabbing all this talent to make it work. That's what impressed me is just, you have this, this huge, uh, you know, uh, talented team of professionals with you. Uh, and I think that that is, uh, especially for those that are, you know, looking for consulting groups, I think it's just a matter of who do they have are they necessarily doing it themselves or do they have a team behind that person who can do the job for you? And and then I'm looking at this and I'm totally impressed. I'm like, you know, you have so many, you have a consulting team, you have an education and auditing team, <laughs> and you have your executive mm-hmm. team, even you have a client relations and administration team with that one person down there. Um, that's totally impressive. Another thing that you had mentioned is you know, when you said you were going to worry about the person that you hire, initially I'm thinking, are you worried about them performing, but more or less, but you really are worried about them transitioning to your company, which is more of a worry about can they, are they going to be happy within, you know, your organization? And that is very impressive, you know, in it, by saying that is the fact that, you know, you know, they're already talented. It's just the fact that are they Absolutely. going to be happy? And I think that's what you're, uh, you know, portraying mm-hmm. in that uh, in that statement by saying, you know, are they going to be happy? And I want, and I think you want general genuinely want them to be happy uh, doing their job. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think too to be able to give them enough to challenge them, and to have enough resources 
to help grow because none of the people on on this team are going to be stagnant. You know, since they've joined the team, you know, they've added credentials. Some of them have gone back to school. You know, they want to learn different avenues. They might be an expert in patient access, but let me learn more about HIM or we'll have somebody taking the coding modules because in their career path, they never had coding. And so they'll do some of our modules on the side. And that's what I want. I want a team that wants to continue to grow and evolve and challenge themselves and challenge me. And, um, and we have that. They're just truly an amazing group of individuals. Awesome. Awesome. Very diverse. And brought it up, Brian, from the standpoint too of, I think one of the unique things about us is, you know, this team does work so well together and we interact quite a bit, even though we're all virtual, um, you know, we might be in different locations, but when you bring one of us on, you kind of get stuck with our whole team because I'll see the emails flying or the conference calls going on. We'll have somebody come in as an interim HIM, but we're having issues with denials and consultants working on a denials project. So it's like, let's get all all on the phone together and help problem solve for this oh, client. Nice. So you kind of get the whole team. They just work so well together and they want everyone to be successful and they want our clients to be successful. And you can't ask for anything more from a team. Hey guys, I recently signed up for my free 30 day audible trial with my 30 day trial. I received a free audiobook just for signing up. There were so many titles to choose from, but I decided on American Assassin by Vince Flynn. This book introduces you to Mitch Rapp and the journey in his beginnings as a super agent. I didn't realize that this was a part of a larger series of Mitch Rapp adventures, and I look forward to listening to more. Plus, I think the book was way better than the movie, but don't tell my teenage daughter who is obsessed with Dylan O'Brien. Anyways, to get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook, go to to audibletrial.com slash NEC podcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash NEC podcast. Now I'm looking at the same page and one thing that strikes me aside from the, uh, the amount of talent that you have here um, in the page, on the top of the page, right? You have like a, uh, mm-hmm. you have a, uh, what is it? Uh, I forgot, a collage of all of the people on mm-hmm. your team. But there's one that, you know, if you count one, two, three from the top, four, five, and then diagonal all the way down, there's a, there's a cute little dog over there. Who's, who's the dog? Who's the dog? Because I know in, in uh, I, I've, I've seen the posts on Instagram also, um, on your mm-hmm. Facebook page. There's a recurring theme of this dog. Can you explain who the dog is? Yeah, so that dog is Emma, and she was our <laughs> English bulldog, okay. Emma. Um, so she is an inspiration for a lot of our stuff and our mascot for Haugen Academy, which mm-hmm. is our, our learning um, component of the company. Uh, when we started it, you know, Emma was our baby, uh, she was a 30-pound full-grown English bulldog, so she's petite. We like to refer to her as our petite little bulldog. Mm-hmm. We just lost her last year, Aww. but she will live on. Yes, she will live on with us because she was all personality and um, 
you know, beautiful and strong and resilient. And um, so we're all dog lovers mm-hmm. at Haugen Group. So you'll see a lot of dog themes throughout, you know, our training or our, our web-based modules, or like you said, Emma is our mascot and, you know, she will always be a, a big part of the company. So I'm, you know, it's just fun. It's just yeah fun to recognize and how do you look at a bulldog and not think what a beautiful creature you know to me they're just so adorable and funny and and awesome so we've been able to incorporate all of this module or some training Mm -hmm. and now our clients can submit so when you take like some of our modules if you get the answer correct you get a fun you know happy dog or Mm -hmm. We also have, if you get the answer correct, we've had people send in, you know, dogs will be dogs and they might chew up a pillow or they might do something. And so we have real life shots of that to help you reflect on when you might not get something quite right that you're not in it alone. So it's just makes it fun. But yeah, that's Emma. I like that. Yeah. And you even have a a section Mm -hmm. here on your website, uh, Ask Emma. Uh, Ask Emma. Yeah, that's nice. So can you tell me about that that part? Yeah, so the Ask Emma is just a fun take. We wanted to be able to provide some quick coding references Mm -hmm. and so have people kind of submit questions, you know, when you might be struggling with spinal coding or mental health or different things. So we we are making quick little YouTube videos to answer your questions and, and we just have them Ask Emma and we have a chair in our office to ask Emma questions. I was wondering, I said, who's Emma? And I didn't really look into it until you told me the <laughs> name. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Oh, that's who Emma is, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. that's wonderful. Well, sorry to, to hear that she passed away uh, last year. Mm-hmm. But she seems like she's she's living on in your in your company. She and... will absolutely live on, absolutely. That's wonderful. She's, yes. All right, so that is there anything else from the Haugen Group that you wanted to share? Uh, before moving forward to the next section. We have three divisions, and each one has grown and evolved from the talent that we have and from our client request. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you guys have this. Can you provide some, some training for us related to these difficult coding things? Or, gosh, our staff is remote. Can you create web-based training? And, you know, now can you audit for us? So been able to bring on our team, which I think has really elevated a lot of our materials. And so when you engage with us, we want to take in the same way that we do with our consulting side. If we're going to educate you, we want to be respectful that you're an adult learner right. and respect the knowledge that you have. And I think we take that approach in our consulting side. We know more than you do. It's just we've had the time to research it, and we're here to support you. So you've recently won an award. Uh, It is the 2017 Triumph Award, uh, specifically for leadership. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So just to give an idea of... Uh, what this Triumph Award is, let me read it off here off of the HEMA website. Uh, the HEMA Triumph Award have honored those professionals responsible for advancing the field of HIM. And each year, uh, the HEMA members nominate someone that has demonstrated the extra- extraordinary leadership, volunteerism, and talent. As part of the long cherished tradition, the Triumph Award continues to be the highest recognition of excellence, dedication, 
and service. And of course, they're going to present you with this award um, in the upcoming AHIMA conference. So if you scroll down over here, I'm going to, by the way, put this link into the show notes. Um, if you scroll down to 2017 AHIMA Triumph Award recipients, if you scroll down, you have here the Leadership Award, uh, Mary Beth Halligan. So um, can you give us the, I guess, give the audience what, what how did you, or I don't know if you, ha- how, like, how did you get it, but <laughs> how, do, how, were, how was it that you, <laughs> it's not like just grab and get it. How was it that you were awarded this honor? Oh, gosh. So it was um, a, a surprise. But what was amazing um, for me is our state leadership. So the Colorado Health Information Management Association, the leadership uh, made a determination to nominate me. So, yeah, from that that team of um, state leaders, they presented the nomination um, of me from you know, supported by the state association and then individual people wrote nomination letters. And so in order to get all the background for the nomination, they approached me and and told me that they were, you know, wanting to do this nomination. And from that, amazing, when you think about everybody that's involved at the state level and all of the amazing volunteers and amazing leaders, uh, for them to say that they wanted to to nominate me was so humbling, so flattering and great, but they went ahead and did all of this work and created this nomination and, and got support letters and then submitted it to the triumph award committee. And then from there, the, the, the committee members review all of the nominations and then determine who the winners are from there. So, um, all the nominations from across okay the the US so when when you when you um when you knew that you won this award what exactly what what exactly were you doing do you remember <laughs> we <laughs> were like having question, um right? <laughs> I know well it just makes me laugh to think about it we were having um a team meeting another team together. And I received a phone call um, from Jenna Evans Mm -hmm. that I had won. And, and honestly, I was so thrilled to be nominated, but you, you just don't know who all else is nominated. And so you don't really expect it and hanging up and like, I can't believe I won. And (laughs) um, just so happy and um, honored you know, to have received that, that call to take it to that. It was like the icing on the cake. It's just so great to be nominated, but then to actually win was just the icing on the yeah, cake. So good. very yeah. thrilled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like, um, you know, it's, I mean, you say it's humbling, but I think when you, when you win the award, you kind of reflect back and say, well, mm-hmm. this is what I did. And, um, you know, it you, you know, from what we just dis- discussed. I mean, it seems very remarkable from candy striper, medical coder, HIM, you know, director, information technology to mm-hmm. building your, um, building your company, and expanding your company, and having a sense of identifying talent and bringing into your company, uh, alongside with having fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it totally <laughs> makes sense, right? And 
um, when you look back at it, I mean, it, it's like, okay, this is what I did. And, you know, you're very appreciative of the award. Now, when you already told you what were you doing, so when you got the the announcement, what exactly did you do afterwards? Did you do anything to celebrate? We haven't um, celebrated yet, but we plan celebrating at the Ahima Convention. So I'm thrilled my husband's going to come out to L.A. so he can be there. Um, but what did you do? What, you know, what did you do? I know you're going to do something in the the conference, but what did mm-hmm. you do like when you got home? <laughs> did you like oh like have a big meal? Did you have oh, you champagne? <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely. So for anyone that knows me, yes, we popped a bottle of champagne. We had an awesome toast. Um, and, and celebrated, you know, with my husband and my kids mm-hmm. yeah, and, nice. and then, and of course I had to call my mom and dad yeah. and, and share the news with them. That's so, awesome. yeah. I mean, that's, it's, yeah. it's like so. certain things that you do, especially when you graduate, when you, um, right. like get a credential. I always, I always ask everybody, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you did or what, where did you go to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? Right, I said, right. you and especially in my group, um, I have the medical coding geeks. I have specifically, I also have the RHIT and RHIA exam group, support group. And there are people who post their scores and, you know, they say, oh, I passed, I passed. And I'm like, well, what are you going to eat? tonight <laughs> they're like what they're like oh i don't know or some people actually take pictures while they're celebrating like there was one person who showed this took a picture of the score and their menu was upside down and i saw a side of coleslaw and i'm like oh what are you guys eating i'll have the burger right there you know and uh you know those oh, little awesome. things that, that yeah. you know i asked those questions are like caught off guard I was like yes but that's the most important thing is is what did you do to celebrate because um, you know, it's that it's that instant moment that happens right after a a big moment like what you dealt with um, mm-hmm. that kind of makes a memory. It's like, oh, I remember when I ate this. Like for me, I remember going to a restaurant called Grand Lux. When I got the CDIP, I'm like, you know what? Let's go eat. You know, let's go over to mm-hmm. this restaurant and have this wonderful meal. So it was just me, my wife, and my kids. You know, something more intimate. You know, than you. And then you yeah. realize, you know, you, you know, for your company, you're gonna have something much bigger. So that's awesome. All right. This episode is presented to you by the Medical Coding Geek Tutoring Network. We're not just about the funny medical coding memes you see on social media. We're also a growing network of experienced, specialized, and credentialed professionals. We do not offer prep courses or education programs. Rather, we offer focused, one-on-one tutor sessions that will give you what you exactly need to help you pass your exam. We offer tutoring for the CCS, CPC, RHIT, RHIA, and CDI certification exams. If you want to find out if our tutoring services is what you need to progress in your career, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Also, we're looking to grow our network of tutors. If you're interested in joining our team, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Um, coming forward, I know we're, you know, as of this recording, this is what, September, and the AHIMA conference is in October. Now, I know they're going to award you, but do you have to say a speech or something? 
No, um, the Triumph Award recipient, Angela Kennedy, this year um, will have an opportunity to give a speech. Okay. Um, but I'll be able to be up on stage and and receive the award. Um, you know, they've been wonderful sharing, you know, be there. Some close friends will be there and they have special seating. And, and it is, like you said, just taking, stopping and embracing and enjoying the moment and really just having that opportunity to say, let's celebrate. Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I have a ton to celebrate. Oh, Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, my um, my next question is, before finishing up, is what does winning the Triumph Award, 20, let, me, let me say it uh, formally, how does winning the 2017 Triumph Award for Leadership mean to you? And the next one is your career and then your company, the Haugen Consulting Group. Gosh, I think the award um, means to me personally is. And I think um, this is your this is your 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 formal speech. <laughs> Since you oh, can't is say this one. my formal speech? <laughs> Have one. Oh, I feel like I need to pull out the little piece of paper. Um, yeah, no, I you know I think for me winning this, it was just such a night to have that respect for my colleagues. And my peers' effort, you know, to write up that nomination and then to get the award, it's just like, you know, to have that recognition saying that, gosh, the work that you've done mm-hmm. is meaningful and does pay off and we we notice it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for me, it's just such a personal, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. and feel so blessed that, you know, I have these people in my lives that feel that way. I think from a career standpoint, as you build, I don't think you design anything around receiving awards, but I think it does validate from a career mm-hmm. standpoint mm-hmm. that you've had an impact to the profession, that you've had an impact, hopefully a positive impact on, on other people, and it validates what you've worked so hard for. And even, like I said, you know, a lot of the choices at the time may not have been strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps kind of validate that when I jumped off the cliff <laughs> or when, you know, a certain door was slammed in my face and I chose to open another door, mm-hmm. that it's it's paid off. So to have that, you know, like you said, you go back and you reflect over what's happened in your career and your decisions and and to then, you know, have it accumulate in an award is fantastic. Um, you know, from a company perspective, I really hope that it brings um, value to our clients, that it just helps validate that, um, you know, I'm committed to them as our client. I'm committed to our company. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to our staff. And I'm truly committed to healthcare and our profession and HIMS professionals and how can we continue to move forward and, um, you know, have a, have a booming voice in, you know, our future. So it does impact me personally, my career and, and my company. So I'm truly, truly honored um, you know, to receive this award. I, it was very unexpected and and um, I'm just, I, I don't even have words for it. I'm just so honored <laughs> by it. 
It sounds like this is what you're gonna exactly do if you're given the hey, you're gonna say you gotta say a speech now. <laughs> oh <laughs> so god! At least I prepared oh, you for one, right? Oh, okay. thank you. Because nah. yes, no. It was... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we've reached the. Um, the time for our interview. And first of all, I do want to thank you for being part as a guest. It's wonderful listening to, uh, you know, what you've done, what you, what risks <laughs> if you've done, <laughs> and then you know, seeing that you're you're getting recognized and validated, uh, especially through this Triumph Award. So the last, well, I have no, actually, yes, my uh, two questions. I, I do want to finish off with, and I usually ask of every. Uh, guest is number one. What does the future hold for Mary Beth and the Haugen Consulting Group? I think the future holds what whatever we want it to be. And I think we need to be aggressive. There's going to be a lot of changes. You know, I did um, a talk at the Assembly on Education over the summer about the future of HIM. And you know, I, I put some pretty bold statements out there and I think are scary for some people, but, you know, I support coding. We have a big chunk of our businesses coding and consulting, but at, when I look at the future, our technology today is in its most primitive state. So it's only going to get better. It's only going to get stronger and we need to be fluid and move with it and embrace it. And from a company perspective, I need to be ahead of the curve. So when our clients get to the curve, I'm there and ready. And um, I think being open to that and open to all the changes that we're going to see and being able to be fluid um, and will help keep us there and, you know, keep people wanting to hire us. So I'm excited about our future. And my last question is, what final words do you have to share with our audience? What are uh, some best words of advice you can give? I think um, to reiterate what words of advice I had received, if somebody thinks you can do something, believe them and jump off the cliff, figure it out, make it up until you know how to do it. Don't be afraid if you're not doing something that you're not passionate about, find where your passion is and go for it. Um, you know, you can jump off the cliff and if it doesn't work, then jump off another one. Um, <laughs> you know, don't, don't sense. wait. And yeah, don't wait until you know, there's going to be a soft landing. Uh-huh. Um, I'm so thankful for the risks that I've taken in my career and uh-huh. I've been the most successful. All right. Well, that's that's wonderful advice. Jump off as many cliffs <laughs> as you can. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, it does make sense, you know. It. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to take those risks, you know, even though, you know, you. Ha- I think it's the fear of the unknown. And I think when you push mm-hmm. that off to the side and just do it, I think even if you fail, you have a, <laughs> you have a wonderful story Absolutely. to tell. And if you leverage Absolutely. that story, that becomes more of a pivotal moment in your success. I think that's... That is most important. All right. Well, Mary Beth, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I do thank you for being on. Well, thank you, Brian. I, I appreciate you asking me, and it's been, been fun chatting with you. I want to thank Mary Beth Haugen for being part of the podcast. 
you can head over to her website and check out her team at thehaugengroup.com. You can find Mary Beth and her company by going to thehaugengroup.com. Most importantly, with our partnership, you can go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use the promo code GEEK15, that's G-E-E-K-1-5, to get a 15% discount. Who doesn't like discounts? Coming up on the next episode of Not Elsewhere Classified. Be willing to serve and understand. Put yourself where they are and bring them out of that. Bring You can bring out of them the student that's there. It is up to them to develop it, but it is your responsibility to cultivate it. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's MED Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. We would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com This podcast is supported by Weebly.com. Have a product? Building a company? You'll need a website. Create your site with Weebly's drag-and-drop website builder and responsive themes without any technical experience. Believe me, I built my website in under 30 minutes. It really is that easy. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on any Weebly subscription plan or promote plan. To get this discount, go to Weebly. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's Weebly dot medicalcodinggeek.com. 